0: We are in the book of James in the New Testament. We come to chapter 4 today, where he uh, discusses, is there anybody that could give me on the monitor what's up here? I don't know if it's just not turned on or not. I don't know if there's anybody that could help me with that or not. Uh, Where he discusses something here called conflict or fighting or doing doing violent stuff to each other. I think uh, we live in a world where this is not unfamiliar, sadly, this is not unfamiliar territory to us. We currently, of course, are confronted in an international situation with this unbelievable incursion of one country into another without what seems to be provocation and so forth. And uh, the loss of many innocent lives and a staggering loss to these people and what these weapons have done to their to their homes and their businesses and their and so forth. Um, and this is a symbol. This is a big symbol. This is a big picture of what really is going on in here in human hearts. And this is what James points out. It's from within you, he says, that all this comes. You know, I remember many years ago uh, a couple that I had married and seemed to be happy. They had been married. Just a lot, or they were in the process of purchasing a couple acres of land, and they were planning on building a house. And uh, they wanted a, a, a little, a couple of acres because she wanted, uh, she loved horses, and they wanted to get a horse. And on and on their happy story went. Um, it was several months later that I had occasion to find out that these two had separated, and uh, were in the process of heading toward a divorce. And I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked, and I went to visit them. I only got to talk to her, never to get to talk to him. And she said, I said, I thought you were so happy. Weren't you uh, like building that, getting ready to build a house and buying a lot? And she said, yeah. And he wanted a split level and I wanted a rancher. Uh, something like that. I don't remember exactly who wanted what, but it was a difference of home design over which they fought. And I I was absolutely stunned, and I said to her, I want you to look me in the eye and tell me that your marriage did not break up over a house design, the plan of a house. I want you to look at me and tell me, and she said, no, I will not, because I will not put up with those steps. And I don't remember. It was the whole conversation kept going back to the design of this house that they were planning to build. And which they allowed to become an absolute stumbling block to, between them to the point where their marriage fell apart and they ended up divorced. And I, and I think uh, not only, you know, how this is so heartbreaking to the Lord, but I think, um, you know, this is the kind of thing that James is talking about, this unimaginable amount of fighting. Let me read there just the first couple of verses in verse chapter 4. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something. I want the split level. I want the rancher. Okay. You want something and you don't get it. Okay. What do we do now when we want something? Well, he said, here's what you do. You kill. Or maybe I'll throw in divorce. You covet. You cannot have what you want. You quarrel. You fight. You do not have it because you do not ask God. When you do ask, when you do ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasure. So he says, even if you come down out of the clouds enough to realize how far off base you are that you need to pray rather than to duke it out with someone you still don't always get we still don't always it's not a it's not an automatic god isn't a, a a machine and we put our token in and we automatically get what we want but because he said sometimes the lord doesn't give you what you want because he knows that you don't have a good a plan in mind and your motivation isn't good anyway but the, the question there, oh, the, the question is, um, what, what causes these fights and quarrels? Two different words, and these, these words, um, fights and quarrels, these, these two different words, have to do with a prolonged, serious combat, that's a fight, and a specific attack or a specific battle, that's what. Is translated as quarrel in the NIV. It it really doesn't matter whether you're you which of these you're using, but it's being used metaphorically to talk about a violent personal interaction, and it may not necessarily be a fist fight. It may not be that kind of violence. But I'm talking about James is talking about not harmony, not unity, but conflict, and um, and and so forth. <clears throat> what he calls fights and quarrels. And he says, Where do we, why do we do this? Where does this come from? What is the source of this stuff, these fights and these quarrels? I would like to stop before I go further and, and mention two things that are, that are interrelated to this in my mind. One is, I don't want you to think from this that it's ever wrong to stand up and, say, and speak back. In other words... If truth is on the line, we should stand up for truth. If truth is being denied, we should stand up for truth. Does that seem, or might that sound, to someone like a fight going on? Uh, if we're standing up for the rights, for example, of of unborn babies, just as an illustration, and so we're out here protesting and saying, "This isn't right." Please repeal this law. Change this. Uh, some people will say, look at them fight. Look at them fight. Well, if you want to call it a fight, so be it. But it's what the Bible, this is what there are times that the Bible refers to what it calls the good fight of faith. And that is a necessary fight. And that is a good fight. Paul said at the end of his life, I have fought the good fight. And I've finished. I'm at the end. I'm ready to retire I'm going in the locker room for the final time and I won't be back in the ring. But many times the scripture refers to the conflict between good and evil, which we necessarily embody and personalize as a fight. And so when you read here that James says, "Um, why do you fight? I don't want us to conclude from that that we shouldn't stand up for the truth. Because this is a different kind of fight than what James is actually talking about here, which he discusses as a fight over having things that we want and personal desires rather than fighting for a cause or a principle and so forth. By the way, the word you at the, end, or at the beginning of chapter 4 verse 1, what causes fights and quarrels among you? That word "you" is plural, so that's why I say in your sermon notes that this is an all-inclusive situation. Uh, he's talking about any kind of fights, whether it's a domestic fight that happens at home between a kid and their parent, or whether it's a fight between, um, you know, in your 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 family over over, you know, maybe Pap dies and there's a fight over the will. These kind of things happen all the time. Uh, it could be a fight within a church over a direction, over a program. He, he's, he's referring to something here that can, uh, be, that has to do with any part of life and any direction. Fights between us, fights among us. It's, it's, the word you is plural. So between all of you, what causes these fusses and fights? The culture wars, fighting for ideals. Is this on, Greg? Okay, the the ideal um, situation is. Uh, hang on, I get here. is is not the kind of fight that he's saying that he's talking about, but rather the fights of has to do with interpersonal relationship. Here's the here's the other thing I want to I want to mention that he's not talking about. He's not talking about when a person refuses to speak to someone or a person refuses to visit someone or go or be involved or participate in someone because they're trying to avoid a conflict or avoid a fight, that in itself is not a fight. Now, it might seem strange and it certainly seems awkward to us as human beings sometimes, but we've all been there. We've all been in situations where if I go... I just know what's going to happen. Before it even happens, I'm going to seek to prevent it from happening. I'm just going to stay away. I'm not going to be involved because this person and myself, we always conflict, have conflict over some issue. And so I'm going to head this off at the pass, and I'm, I'm just not going to go there because I don't want to get a fuss started. I don't want to get a quarrel going. That in itself is not what he's talking about, because that in itself is actually honorable and understood by God, who said, blessed are the peacemakers. And sometimes, being a peacemaker goes beyond just getting between two people who are fighting and saying, shh, shh, now, now, look, don't fuss with each other, as my mother used to do with my sister and me all the time. You kids, I don't want you fussing with each other. And she would get all excited, and we would do it to get her excited, believe me. We would just especially as we got as we became adults we would just we would bicker because it would get my mom all she would get her wound up and it was fun for us and and uh anyway cheap entertainment um and that's one way of being a peacemaker but sometimes being a peacemaker means that uh I just stay home this time because if I go there'll be a conflict there'll be a fight and and so an intention, an intention of avoiding or preventing a fight. Um, this is a strategy based on keeping the peace. And uh, there's plenty of places in the New Testament that gives us theological underpinning for the need at times to do this. Paul said in the book of Titus, look, some people are divisive by their nature. And you can try, and you can talk to them, and you can even warn them about this, and at some point, just stay away from them, just have nothing to do with them, because that avoids the division, and that avoids the conflict. So I'm saying, when James says, what are these fights caused by, this particular part of conflict, that of not having conflict by not being around another person sometimes is necessary, and that in itself is not what he's talking about. What causes fights among you? As I said, this is quite inclusive. And I simply want to say that the perspective from which James is coming, and what he's saying here is, that may be standard operating procedure in the world, but it should not be in the church. It should not be in the community of Christ. That we fight and fight and fight. That we And, and, and I don't mean just the external forms and expressions of it, but that we just... Quarrel and fuss, and are constantly at odds and dissatisfied with each other, and that we always hold up to one another some kind of a standard of our own and don't allow them to be who they are. That we don't strive the best we can, the longest stretch that we have for unity and for appreciation and for um, affirmation of each other. That rather we just rather have it our way and say it our way and. And let them think what they want, and and it shouldn't be like this among the Christian community. And so this is why he's saying this in a negative way among you, Christian community. Even among you, uh, there are there are in the fellowship of the saved there are these fights and these fusses and these quarrels, and it shouldn't be. In First Corinthians chapter three, Paul writing to this church which was in Corinth was a city in Greece. He said, you know, you're acting very worldly. And the reason that I say that, Paul says, is because you're fussing and fighting and fuming with each other all the time. And so I cannot help but say, you're acting like the world. That's what they do. Turn your news on. And you'll see one fight after another fight. And she said this, and he called her this, and it just gets it gets amazingly ridiculous how petty and how savage these fights become. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, I would think you're part of the world when I come into your church, the way I see this kind of fussing and... And fighting. Listen, listen. To, he writes back again a letter to this same church, and says this in Second Corinthians. I'm going to read a couple of verses. This is in chapter twelve, uh, verse twenty, where he says this to this same group, this same church. I'm afraid when I come, I may not find you as I want you to be, and you may not find me as you want me to be. I fear that there will be quarrelling and jealousy, outbursts of anger, factions. Slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. I'm afraid that when I come, in other words, Paul says, I, I know I'm gonna come over to see you sometime, but I'm I'm not even looking forward to the visit. Because I know what's gonna happen and I know what I'm gonna uncover. All kinds of fights and quarrels. I mean, wouldn't you like to go visit this church? Doesn't this sound like a warm and welcoming place to 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 tap into where it's just one one faction against another, and this is what Paul says that this can invade the church, and James says, why where does these where do these things come from? Well, they come from something he says that is at battle, battling within you, so the point of that, and this is the key that i I want to stress in the next ten minutes, is that It's this conflict really within our own self that becomes, as it it stretches outward, conflict among others that becomes conflict between us. It really goes back to something within ourselves. I know uh, that uh, Barry Stolmeier and Lori Akers, uh, back a while, um, were leading a a class and still, I think you're still doing it, some called self-confrontation. And the issue of that the, the 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 point of that class and the issue is that the battle isn't in the church the battle is in the self and therefore if you ultimately want to restore things the best place to start and the best place to in, the, the best place to start is within your own self and then that'll work out for whether whether it's negative or positive this is what James says where do we where do these issues come from they come from within individuals come from within and so the battle of, of spirit versus the flesh, the spirit values relationships, the spirit values love, the spirit values serving and sacrifice and these kind of things. And so what that means is that it always, the spirit's, the spirit, the spirit nature that God puts with, that God has placed within us. It always wants to move towards giving. Of itself. However. The flesh. That we live with. Always wants to move. Towards receiving. What's in it for me. What are you going to do for me today. The flesh is your body. But so much more. It is the embodiment. Of the things which your body is. Somebody asked me this morning. How are you doing. I said I'm doing great. Except for my body. My body, I feel like my body and myself are at odds these days as I get older. More aches and pains and all kinds of just craziness breaking out in your body. And, and these wonderful, encouraging people older than me just smile and say, it, it ain't going to get any better. Don't, don't even think it is. It's going to get worse. And, uh, and so I accept that. But the flesh sort of illustrated by the body is always kind of at war, just as I said this morning, "I'm doing great, that's my spirit. But the flesh oh, It's dragging against it." And so this, this is what James calls, uh, this is what James calls a battle. And he says, the cause of the battle is this word here, translated in IV, as desires. See that? You have desires that battle within you. This is the Greek term we get our word hedonism, hedonism. From this word, it's a a word that's talking about the physical and emotional as contrasted with or against the spiritual side of our nature. This this word is is a word that says, What can I do? What can I have? What can I experience to make me feel worthwhile today? It is the seeking of a thrill. It is the anticipation of a rush. It is a very shallow word, he don't Very shallow word. There's no consideration of consequence. There's no reflection on meaning. Give me a thrill today. He don't is all throttle and no brakes. I just want to do something. And I would like to do it now, preferably, because I'm seeking pleasure. I'm after something to excite me, to titillate me, to, to cause me to just feel the thrill of being alive, and I don't care what it might do to someone, someone, in other words, I don't care about the consequences, I don't care about its risk or its danger, I just want what I want, and it's this term translated here, all of that as desire, that James says causes a battle within you. It's this majoring on feeling good, feeling excited, feeling pleasure, and preferably pleasure right now. It's, it's living that we might uh, call in our English term sensual. And, and by that I mean a focus on the senses. I want something I can touch, man. I want something I can see. I want something I can hold. I want it right here. I want it right now. I don't want a theory. I don't want to learn something. I don't want to invest in the future. No, sir. I want something that will feel like the, like the adrenaline and the dopamine and all these chemicals that apparently makes our brain feel good. And I want to feel, uh, I don't care if it's foolish. I don't care if it's risky. And I, I just want something. And I'll fight anybody that tries to tell me no. That's is where James comes in. I'll fight against anybody that would try to tell me there's a different or better way. I, I, I just, I want to have it. It's a desire. And if, if, it's, if I need to do something crooked or illegal or immoral, no big deal. I'll just do that because I want it. And uh, I put some examples here of the kinds of things that people often desire. Uh, You you can read them. Power, money, food, sex, clothing, possessions, body alterations, gambling, thrills, drugs, danger, sports. In other words, these are the kind of things that folks think that will will cause them to feel great. And therefore, they pursue, and therefore, they butt heads with or fight against anybody that's going to try to prevent it in any way or try to... Take them in another direction. Um, this is he to know. This is, this is something that causes, James says, look, when you get hot and bothered about something, it causes a battle against anybody. It says, slow down or stop or change directions. And James says, this is, this is really where it all comes from, within us. The desire, this again goes back to this word, it, it, it's a desire to do or see or try. It's, it's, it, it doesn't really consider anything beyond the feeling. The, the 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 self says, "Be still and know that God is God." I'm sorry. The spirit says, "Be still and know that God is God." And the flesh says, "Nah, that's boring. What what's in it? What's in that for me?" Be still and know that God is God. What's that do for me? See what I'm saying? This is is the battle. It's a battle, in a sense, in a way, of of being delighted in who God is and what God has made available to me. And so, I'm very contented and, and positive, and I'm settled and joyful, and I'm thrilled to experience life. And I'm so happy for who God is and what He has provided for me. As flawed and imperfect as that is, it's a battle between that, on the other hand, the desire that's never contented. It's always restless and envious and needy, and uh, just demanding. And this this word word that comes to my mind is entitled entitlement. That the the the, the side of the flesh, the side of desire, um, is always dissatisfied because somebody hasn't provided me with a new thrill fast enough, uh, that sort of thing. I was thinking of a story, I'll quickly just highlight it, there's uh The story in 2 Samuel, I think chapter 15, 16, 17, of King David when he was king, and the rebellion against him, the attempted coup by his son Absalom. And Absalom mounted an army behind his back and got this revolt going. David actually had to flee from the palace and the city of Jerusalem. And amazingly, there was a very quickly there was a defection from David's cabinet. One of his advisors, a guy named Ohithophel, quickly went over to Absalom and became a counselor and advisor with Absalom. And Ohithophel was very familiar with David, and Ohithophel gave Absalom military advice. He said, if you'll cross over the fords of the Jordan, and you'll meet him here tonight. And he went on and on with specific advice, uh, military strategy. And Absalom said... Uh, I'll see what other advisors have to say. And he listened to the other advisors, and he didn't listen to Ohithophel's advice. He did something different than Ohithophel asked. And in frustration, Ohithophel went and committed suicide. It's it's shocking when you read it. You think, wow. I mean, he gave advice to the to the he gave advice to Absalom. Absalom decided not to go with his advice, and he was. He couldn't handle it, and he went out and killed himself. It's like a bomb going off. Unless you understand this. Ahithophel had a granddaughter, very beautiful, happily married, and David, when he was king, that scum, had her husband murdered and abducted or forced her to be his wife. His granddaughter's name was Bathsheba. And so, can you imagine the rage that probably had boiled up in the background for years as his employer, to whom he had to be loyal, had destroyed the life of his granddaughter? And as soon as he got a chance, man, there was somebody that acted like maybe they would get David out of the way quickly. He was over there. And when that didn't work out, he didn't see how, anybody, how anything was survivable or anybody, anything made life worth living because, in other words, behind, behind the frustration and suicide of Ahithophel was the rage, and behind the rage was this desire and lust on the part of David that basically, in the end, branched out and destroyed the Ahithophel's life. And he committed suicide. Bizarre, but it's there. It's just, the story's there in the Bible. If if someone uh, destroyed the life of your granddaughter, and there was no justice that ever came out of it, you would be perhaps uh, a, a victim of some in some way of what someone in their desire had turned loose and said, "I don't care. I want what I want, and I'll I'll just take it." And I'll fight anybody who tries to get me from James says. This is what James' point is. This is this is heavy duty. This is like a, I used the title. And in this corner, you know, we've all seen boxing matches or wrestling matches. I mean, the build-up is you know you can be sweating and 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 panting before they even even start because you know it's going to be a it's going to be a, a it's quite a struggle. And in this corner, and in this corner, and James says, the corner. The, the, you're the, they come out of different corners and you're the ring in your life. And the scripture says here in Galatians, they are in conflict. Here's the next two verses. I read this, I'm going to read it again and bring this to a close with the suggestion, the very important, powerful thing, issue that James raises. You kill and covet, you quarrel and fight, you cannot have what you want. There's a better way. You see it there. He says, Don't don't beat somebody else up over it. Don't make a knockdown drag out scene over it. Ask God. If you need it, if it's necessary, he'll make sure you get it somehow or some way. He'll he'll take care of. He'll take care of these things that you think you have to have and you have to have so quickly. Here's the three things. Uh, here's three things that come out of that point of asking God. You know, he says earlier, James says, ask in faith. Jesus said, Ask in my name in John chapter 16. When you have a desire and it's it's raging and against the circumstance or whatever, Jesus said, Ask the Father in my name. Meaning, if it's for my glory, for my sake if it's going to promote me, if that's why you want what you want, then ask God for it. Ask in my name. Ask in faith. So so that's why I'm saying here, number one, when you need something and you ask God, carefully consider what your motives are. James says sometimes, even when you get that far, it still doesn't work real well in your life because you're asking, but you're still wanting it for the same reason reason and it's it's not really a reason that would be glorifying to God so why would he give it to you and thirdly if you ask God and you think God's answer is yes but somebody else stands up and says I'm not going to let you have it and so there is still conflict brewing There's many other scriptures that say you have two options. Number one, you can say, okay, I'm not going to insist on this any longer, and I am willing to deny myself. The scripture talks about this many times. Or you can say, you know what? Rather than fight, could we sit down and talk? Could we have a trusted friend to help guide us in our discussion? Can we arbitrate? Can we meet in the middle? Can we compromise? That even this is better and more uh, life sustaining than simply fighting and the consequences that often come from that. Um, And there's scriptures that tell, tell us this and teach us this. In 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says this You know, there's plenty of smart people in the Christian community. You don't have to always have an attorney, you don't always have to go before the judge. Sometimes, if you would just use the resources of Christian people that you know, that could sit down and help to get this thing fixed out, fixed out, fixed up. Some people who have wisdom, Paul Paul says in 1 Corinthians six, are we nothing but a bunch of dummies? Don't we have competent, smart people in the Christian community, and they have the Holy Spirit? And sometimes you can go through every every judge and jury and and lawyer, and maybe none of them have the Holy Spirit, and they have all these trappings of the law, and they still don't even understand what God's peace is. So there's many resources to help when a when a when a fight cannot seem to be avoided. Reach out and try to enable those to um, to take place. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> uh, this is a, a precious time and a serious time for us to consider the The results of and the fights that often come from our own desires this is an important time for us to ask for our for your forgiveness and for us to consider how it is that we may seek to bring an end to even a current conflict of some type that we that we might be engaged in so that we can realize we're not living by the seat of our pants and the desires of our heart. We're living, we're marching to a a different drummer, and that is the, the drumbeat of your spirit, of your peace, that produces even unity in our lives with our others, so that this is our prayer. Help us, help us in this, we ask. And we'll give you honor and glory and praise in Jesus' name.